0: Hi everyone, welcome to a new episode of Carolyn Talks. I'm your host Carolyn Heinz, and this is the podcast/slash YouTube channel where I speak to film creatives about their work, the industry, and what inspires them. And in this episode, as part of my TIFF 2022 coverage, I'm speaking to actress Priya Guns and writer and director VT90 to talk about their new film. This place, which premiered at the 2022 Toronto International Film Festival. So this place is a a queer love story, but it's about more than just queer love and finding romance in the city of Toronto. It goes a lot into different relationships, including relationships with family, relationships with our... Parents, siblings, relationships to who we are as our our personal identities, relationships to our cultures, relationships to our to the country that we live in, and as set in Toronto, so, so relationships to Toronto and to Canada in the broader sense. And we had a very insightful conversation during TIFF, and I appreciate them taking the time to speak with me. And you can this is going to be the podcast version, but of course you can find the video version on my YouTube channel, and you can find the abridged version in print um, for the Toronto star magazine and I just I'm so happy to have been to be able to have like three formats for my interviews I just love talking to creatives and to be able to like share my work in different ways for different people which is um you know it's accommodating for different people it just means so much to me so I hope you enjoy this interview with Priya and VT and you can listen to the end of the podcast to find out more about where you can find other interviews that I did for TIFF as well as my other published work and the interview that I did with the film's Composer, Kalashin, Kailashalvin Um, Good morning, BT and Priya. Thank you so much for talking with me. I watched this place and as an immigrant, I moved here in 2009. That film really resonated with me because it talks a lot about loneliness and abandonment, but from the perspective of being in a community but still feeling like you're not a part of it because you're not connected to your homeland. So for both of you, what was it about this particular story that resonated with you that made you, BT, want to work with the Winohode? and to co- co-write the script with her and for you Priya about getting
1: involved with the film and playing Malay? Um, I think, I mean, for us, like, you know, both of us are Tamil and um, from what the world knows as Sri Lanka, I think that's the most diplomatic way I can put it. Yeah. But we're both Tamil and, you know, our parents arrived here, or We, our families arrived here as part of a displaced community. And so I think, you know, that experience of, being in a new place, not by choice necessarily, is um, something that's always informing our lives. I would say that mm-hmm. for you too, yeah, I don't want to yeah. Say it for you, but I feel like it's always informing our lives, and so I think that story was always in me, mm-hmm. and Goshen also as a refugee herself, who's another one of the co-writers um, from Iran, like that part of our experience is always informing everything that moves forward, and so... Um, it felt only totally natural to kind of start there with the first feature. And like, I think a lot of filmmakers start by doing something very personal, and I think that's what we did. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, with Debbie involved, you know, I want to say Jacobs, like, with her family. She is Mohawk, and you know, I'm going to from Ganawake outside of Montreal, but her character in the film is mixed race, so what does it mean to like look at it through the lens of like, I have a father from somewhere else, and I have a mother from here, and what does that mean for my identity? Um, so we wanted to explore that kind
2: of immigrant refugee experience through multiple lenses was really critical. Mm-hmm. I think it's really interesting how you described it as a sense of loneliness, mm-hmm. even within your community, like the people I spoke with, you haven't seen it like that, or they haven't said it. And for me personally, reading the script and it being this place, play on this place. um, I moved from Toronto in 2009, partly because, yeah, I felt lonely or alienated because of many different reasons One being poor. I think Mm -hmm. you feel that in like capitalist society and where I've lived elsewhere, feeling that sense of, you know, that desire to have or be a part of a community but not have that. And it's interesting because after being in the film, it made me really think about, you know, what communities am I a part of? Mm-hmm. And almost wanting and yearning for that. So that really connected me with the script. There's a lot more things that resonated with me from with the script and my reality. Yeah, I think
0: the film is, does. I think you guys do a very good job of showing there's different types of loneliness and exclusion within community because this film is also the second film that I've seen where it mentions or refers to the Oka crisis, which happened in 1990. And for a lot of people, especially a lot of immigrants, they moved to Canada in particular, thinking Canada's a utopia. And they always say, Canada is not a utopia. Canada has a lot of racism, a lot of xenophobia, especially towards the indigenous people. And like the first one that I saw there was Beans. Beans talks about the Oka, Oka crisis from a more personal perspective, but this kind of shows like the external where, like what would have happened for people who were living outside the Mohawk community at that time. And the choices they had to make, do I stay where I am or do I go back home where my people and my land is being challenged? And it's interesting that you have the father um, of, who, who says, I left Iran for, because of conflict, and it came here and this conflict too. And it's interesting because a lot of people, when they, they leave, especially a lot of and refugees, they flee to Canada as a refuge. But then they're not thinking of how Canada itself has a lot of issues for Indigenous people as well for other people of color. They don't. I think a lot of immigrants don't do research Mm -hmm. about how racism is permeated through Canadian culture and how capitalism affects immigrants. Because when you move here, you face experience racism. I've experienced racism Mm -hmm. as an immigrant here, and I always tell people research like Mm -hmm. don't just come here and think everything's all hunky-dory because Canada has done an extremely Mm -hmm. good job of PR marketing Mm -hmm. and for the both of you like the film kind of touches on that because we have the perspective of the Mm -hmm. father but then also of the of the mom who's like this is a problem in our community and so for both of you how did you go about when you were um, going through production did you guys have any discussions about how those topics
1: were being handled in the film and like your own experiences as well I mean, I think we were all on set, like all the writers were on set, Debbie was one of the writers and also played um Osta herself and um, it's a constant conversation that was happening, you know, even the first day of set, you know, the rituals that we did, the conversations that we had, the note that I had for the crew maybe was, you know, foreign to what was or ignorant really to what was mm-hmm. um, going on for the people involved in the communities focused on in the film um, it was a constant conversation we were having conversations in makeup chairs and mm-hmm. hair, in our direction, costume designers were talking The costume designer uh, Charlene, she was talking to everyone about their specific mm-hmm. culture, so there was a constant learning and effort to learn in that process and I think that was really critical, um, but and that was so natural so natural, just, just yeah. And you yeah. guys are having conversations in makeup chairs, like you and Debbie were having conversations, you're saying, you know, off camera, yeah. and I think like we just really wanted it to be a space and a set where that conversation was possible Mm -hmm. and I think because all of the writers were on set a lot like we were able to answer people's questions and we had done so much work writing on it Mm -hmm. and if not ever enough the work is always going but spending four years together writing a script having intimate vulnerable conversations about your own communities your notions about each other or lack you know lack of knowledge about each other I think creates this kind of trust and Um, for a Talgan to keep having those conversations Mm -hmm. and to invite other people into that conversation. So I think it's been a journey and I think what happened on set was reflective of what had
2: happened in our writers room for three, four years. For me, reading it um, off the page, it was written in a way where you can't help but ask certain questions Mm -hmm. or you can't help but like wonder, oh, you know, why is this here? Why are they having this conversation? It's just there. I think they did a really good job of that. Um, reading the script, I knew I want to be a part of this. I want to be a part of 90s production and everyone else who's involved because you know that if they've written this, you know they're going to film it and it's going to be produced in a particular way where you can feel like comfortable to have those conversations. Um, so I think y'all did a really good job with that. think mm.
1: the goal of the film? I appreciate the goal of the film was for that people would have conversations mm-hmm. as a result. Like you mentioned the scene with the father, like we wanted him to say that because there are so many of us who come here, and we don't, like you said, so well, like don't know the history here, and also don't understand how our histories are tied, no, yeah. and those legacies are connected. It's not saying they're all the same because they're definitely not, but that you know imperial colonial <laughs> experience that we have all exper- we've all went through in our communities have connects us, and mm-hmm. I think we have uh, responsibility to be in solidarity with each other and to understand and learn about each other, and that's what this film really, where it started, was like, how do we. Figure out a way to be in better relationship and solidarity, and so then, what kinds of questions and stories do we build around those questions?
2: Right.
1: And it's like the main part of the film
0: is the, the burgeoning romance between Malaya and Guanajuato, yeah. but I think is I think it was really important that their first discussion is about what about their own conceptions about each other racially and culturally, because I thought it was so that I thought it was so interesting that. But, um, Malay, she says, oh, I didn't realize that you were um, indigenous or Mohawk. Mm-hmm. And she was like, um, I thought you were, like, Iranian. Because the, the lady who's the marketing thought that to that hostel was yeah. uh, um, Iranian as well. Mm-hmm. And then she also thought that you. she didn't know about Sri Lanka or Tamil. Yeah. And she was like, oh, I thought you were Indian. Yeah. And that, and the thing that kicked in my head is how for a lot of uh, people of color in particular, we have preconceived notions of what each other look like culturally yeah. because of, um, put it strictly, um, white perceptions of people of colour. Yeah. Like like yeah. they present Native Americans and First Nations people looking one particular way yeah. and then when you meet them you're like, oh wait, you guys cover a whole range of right. phenotypes and, and
1: look seriously right. as well as for South Asians and Southeast mm-hmm. Asians. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned. I have like just an anecdote, like when we were writing you, um, Voshen brought up the story about her dad and her uncles, like, and I think that's the same case for people around the world, soft country western movies, right? Mm-hmm. The US country western movies. So a lot of people's first introduction, um, racialized people around the world, folks mm-hmm. of color, was to Indigenous people in this land, in Turtle Island, was um, country western movies, which Did. are inherently, at that time, racist. very racist and wrong. <laughs> they yeah. weren't accurate. And so, like, if that's your first introduction and you don't know what you're walking into, like, I know my parents came here and they thought this was just, a, like, a British... of a, a, Like, a, you yeah. know, a, a descendant of no, a British country, <laughs> which it started. was, but they didn't understand yeah, extension and they didn't understand that there were people here first, just like they were, they were there first in their own place, you know? And yeah. I think... And, and so I think it it begs everyone to ask a lot of questions about like what do we not know each other about each other? Where where are we learning about each other? What's our first learning point? And also not just have conversations with each other and you know with our own generation, but. I hope that elders, you know, in different communities of color and indigenous communities watch this so that they can understand maybe like some of the conversation pieces
2: and history that they're missing. You know? yeah. Like how many people know that we're on stolen land yeah. and acknowledge that and understand what that means every single day. Exactly, yeah. especially I think for immigrants because for a lot of immigrants, like they're fleeing their own countries because of turmoil, yeah, and they're fleeing their
0: countries, so especially from Malik, um, Malik's And character, like she kind of has that same background and connection, they're going to host it, like they're both like part of, their both, their identities and their cultures are from countries where that, they're in conflict with each other, yeah. you know, and for do you think that was important for them to have a first conversation because like, I think that was such a good way for, kind of like to clear the air for them um, as, as, not only as friends, but also as lovers and as girlfriends and people who've been in each other's lives for years because a lot of people when they first meet and if they're getting into romances, they're like, you know, you just do surface level stuff. Yeah. But their first conversation is like, pretty deep if you really think about it. Mm-hmm. So like, do you think that, more, that was
2: important for like, creating like, a solid foundation for the relationship? I think so. Like, they didn't meet off of um, Tinder, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, it was genuine and natural. Yeah. Um, and I think that there are people who do have those conversations. Mm-hmm. And they're both um, warm-hearted, well-thoughtful, or thoughtful people mm. with both the characters they have a lot of depth to them. Yeah. So it would, it's only natural that they would have that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's an interesting one, too, not to generalize, but I think like in the Tamil community, and for a lot of different types of refugees and immigrants, um, coming here, you're here, it's your safe haven, you made it, you take a deep breath, You do the 9 to 5, you put your head down, and you carry on Mm. without actually realizing what is happening on the side, Mm. what has happened. Mm. So that conversation was so important, I think, and very well written in that we're showing people... Mm-hmm. you know, this is it, this mm-hmm. is a fountain, without saying. Yeah, a little bit it, right, by, yeah. by
1: pretending that it's not happening, mm-hmm. or not learning, it just you have to learn about it. And it, that, that scene in the Shisha spot, it actually was supposed to be the second meetup, mm-hmm. and we added, I mean, people will see, movie we added another scene between, we're like, maybe we don't get there, just right, you yeah. know? I mean, we need to see, like, there's an attraction, there's, like, a spark, you know, an energy between them, but that scene, you know, we talked about it last night with the other writers, I was with them, and we just, like, we worked on that. It probably took us the longest, that one scene, because we were also afraid of what we were saying, right? We are like, you know, there are some lines in that that, you know, um, can hit people differently. And I but think people who get it, get it, and that's it for them, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And but people who don't, they'll hopefully, like, take away from it and want to learn more. But we spent a lot of time figuring out how are we going to have this conversation that still, it still has a bit of flirtation to it. Yeah. It still has, like... You know intimacy you still see the sparks but you also see like two people being unafraid or even if they are afraid willing to confront these things about each other that they don't know or that they have assumptions about and so i think that scene is really critical and i think it's the one that resonates with a lot of people because it shows the reality of a relationship like yeah you fall in love it's joyful it's cute it's it's like head over heels whatever all those things that we want when we see a love story and at the same time our realities are we can't have partnership without yeah. those kinds of conversations. And yeah. so we're going to have them on screen. Yeah, i was like a meet you, meet you in Toronto. I'm like, like, how does that
0: happen? <laughs> <laughs> but um, another aspect of the film, like I mentioned at the beginning, it's kind of like loneliness and co- disconnect from culture, but then it's also familial loneliness as well, because I, I talked a bit about, oh, you can be disconnected in your own culture, but you can be disconnected in your own family, because it's interesting that both aunt um, and Konista are separated from their fathers and they're separated from their fathers for two different reasons but like they still have that same disconnect and and for my life, she has a, an older brother who um, because his father left and the mother has passed on, she takes all the burden but also the duty of raising her and letting her go to school so that but he has to work and this there's this thing where I when I was watching I was like listen to him, he's telling you that he's not ready because he's in pain. Mm-hmm. And, like, he was younger, so she doesn't have and the years that he had with his parents. And mm-hmm. the, she doesn't fully understand the strain of not only being the sole bread of his sister, but also being a brother. He's not a father. He didn't go into this thing knowing I'm going to have him spouse a like, I'm a brother. This is not supposed to happen. I
2: love how you watched yeah.
0: the film. <laughs> no. Really? Yeah, I, I love how you really like watched, watched
1: it. Like, like, like yeah. thank okay oh, yeah. yeah,
0: I was just like, girl, listen to the man. You <laughs> Like, mm-hmm. stop trying to force him to reconnect with the man yeah. that he doesn't, that he had to... Kind of like breaking stuff emotionally yeah. away from me because he's like, if I'm going to raise my sister, I can't dwell on the pain of my, my father leaving. But she doesn't get that. And what do you think was it about Malai that made her kind of like not yet? Because I can kind of relate to that from my own personal experience with my parents and my siblings. But what do you think was it with Malai where she was just not getting that that's what he was trying to say? Mm,
2: that's an interesting question. I think. Hmm. Okay, I'm going to think out loud here. The relationship she has with her brother is one that I really love and appreciate. Mm -hmm. It's very similar to the relationship I have or had and have with my brother. Um, In that, when you are in a first generation, second generation family and your parents are struggling in whatever way they are, um, you look towards your siblings and you work, you provide financially, you grow up way too soon. Mm -hmm. Um, And that was um, our own situation. A um, male too, but particularly him in terms of providing financially. I think that maybe she wasn't able to connect or understand that he wasn't ready because she saw him as like this mm. hmm, this figure, like paternal, but also um, a brother, a friend, um, her rock. Mm. So maybe that's why. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to think mm-hmm. a little deeper here. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, even right, I mean, it's a
1: really good question. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I considered it. I mean, I think, I, to be honest, <laughs> I think that's important <laughs> to be Like, I think we created a character where we knew parts of her, and I mm-hmm. think when people ask questions, we're discovering yeah. parts of her that maybe we didn't consider. I mean, I think, like, you get used to it sometimes. You get used to being cared for. It's not that you are not thoughtful or you don't respect what they've done, and I think by the end you start to see that she's seeing him yeah. as a more... Whole person, you know, and it's not to say she didn't before, but she does in a new way, Mm -hmm. I think. And I think that's also the beauty of growth over time. Like, if you can have these vulnerable conversations, which they do, they slowly do, and you can address things and you can look at the complicated parts of life and not gloss over them because sometimes life will not allow you, and something Mm -hmm. comes ahead. And I think that gives room either for you to continue doing that or for you to think, maybe let's take a different route. I think it's just a matter of being maybe younger, having somebody as your rock and then Mm -hmm. you realize your rock is also bleeding. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? And I think um, that's her journey is to understand her brother as part of her journey. And the film is to understand her brother as a a more wholer person Person. who has to do something in his own way, even if it looks different from hers, you Mm -hmm. know, and respect it. Yeah.
0: Do you think that
1: them getting that kind of resolution with their father but also
0: this resolution with the conflict that they were having between each other is what helped her to accept going to hosting when she came back because I was kind of afraid where she was going to be like you were not here this is me being super dramatic and yeah. 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 she was like you were here when I needed you but yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. like she needed to go home too yeah. but, then,
0: but do you think that's what helped her to just like take her back in when she comes back um, and just be like okay like I see you and I
2: accept you for yeah. leaving, but I understand why you didn't because it's kind of the same symmetry. Definitely. Everything that Molly had gone through, I think, put into perspective what Yosta may have gone mm-hmm. through and also gave her the opportunity to reflect on her own life and her own trauma mm-hmm. um, in her own way. Yeah,
1: yeah I think, our, I mean, our intention was like sometimes you just got to take a minute, like yeah. sometimes Life gets in the way, and that's real, right? Like, we have other responses. Yes, we want, and especially as racialized women, right? Like, especially as, you know, black, indigenous, other women of color. Like, I think there's, like, a, you know, almost socialized to raise everybody else and take care of everyone else and be mindful of everybody else and then adjust. And I think, and do things, these are a you know, and do everything at once. And we didn't want that. We wanted two people who were, like, you know, to sense a boundary, Malay has to respect it, then Malay realizes she's actually also got to deal with her own okay. stuff, you know, and I think when they come back together and Yosta comes back and you know, and to complicate an idea, like somebody didn't abandon you, they had to move forward for themselves, yeah. and mm-hmm. the difference between, like, that's not abandonment, that's taking care of yourself, yeah. Yeah. and being clear about it, she was very clear, you know, and to come back and be like, I did those things, and I, I want to apologize, and I just want to tell you, and I think, like you said, Molly at that point has also done some work, and it's like, okay, let's try, you know, let's... Let's just, let's see what yeah. happens, and then we don't show exactly what happened, but we,
2: we give people a taste of what could happen. You yeah. know, I love that about the film. I remember me and Devery going over one scene, and I remember I don't remember what scene it was, but Molly's response was, "What the fuck? What do you mean?" <laughs> Devery starts laughing, and I'm like, "Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. That's all right. That's all right." Um, but I love how um, the film shows like healthy boundaries yeah. and respecting and honoring people's boundaries and also taking a moment for yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we see that enough. Mm. It's true.
0: And we have time
2: for one more question. So for the two of you, what does the
0: word, what does the title this place mean? Because I fight for this film in particular, it has like many different meanings. And one of the things that struck me at the end is that in the beginning, when every character, she arrives in Toronto, she passes by this mural. And, and, and I I know where Daniel is too. And she passes by Daniel and like we don't get to see the flag of the um of the the, the five tribal flags, you know, um the Queen de uh, flag. But then at the end we get to see this we we get to see what it is actually stopped to look at. And it was just like to me that this place represents like is this place Canada, this place Toronto, but also this place where you where we are as people emotionally and you've arrived at this place of like not full resolution, but this place of like, okay, I can take the next step forward. And like, for me, that's what I can interpret it as. So for the both of you, what does this place mean?
1: I mean, I think what all of what you said yeah. is what, what's come up for all of us. I And originally the title, I think was Gold one of the writers, the writers who came up with it. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember exactly who came <laughs> up with everything at this point, but I know the title was for her, I think, and it was... This play on the word displaced, right? Mm. So, yes, this place, Toronto. I love that you said it's like this place that you arrived with all your feelings. Like, all of that is true. And it's also this idea of like people have been displaced to this land and this particular place being Toronto, and then people have also been displaced on their own land. And I think that like we wanted to pay homage to that experience, Mm. even though it's difficult and complicated for all of us. Um, this idea of displacement, because so many BIPOC communities have experienced dip- displacement in so many so different great. regards and continue to. And so, yes, it's a play on displacement and this place, but it's also, yes, about this place, um, this place that you arrive together, this place where you meet, where you fall in love. Mm-hmm. You know, the, I think everyone is meeting people at different places in the
2: film, and so it's a homage for that. Yeah, I agree 100%. And I would also say um, more stress. The idea of this place being this land that we're on, I think that's really important for people to recognize that. There is a history yeah. that we need to acknowledge and understand that we are. And that's
1: why the mural was so important. I do want to like, just like, shout out Philip Coat, Co- who's, like, Co- who's the artist of that mural, and that's why we returned to that mural so that people remember that, yes, this is a beautiful love story, complicated families, all of that. And like at the end of the film, also remember we're still on someone and else's yes. land. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
2: Thank you so, thank much, you so,
1: so much. much. Thank you so much.
2: Thank nice. so How good. you. So nice talking to you. It such a great film watching. Yeah. It oh, was <laughs> <you>. uh, <laughs> like, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Some of the Amazing. best. Thank, that you. So yeah. thank you. Yeah, as, as
0: I am yeah. really to like, am I thinking too hard about this? No, no I perfect. wasn't expecting no. it, so perfect. Thank you. Okay, thank,
1: you, you. Yeah. thank you so much. Thank you, wraps on your first festival
0: experience. So, everyone, that was another episode of Carolyn Toss, and in this episode, I spoke to actress Priya Gans and director VT90, who co-wrote the film This Place with Ghosn Abdule and Ghosn Devery Jacobs, and uh, this film is a Canadian production that deals specifically with a queer love story, identity, family, culture, and how a lot of people from marginalized communities in Canada, especially those from racialized communities, like the Mohawk, which the character of Kona Jose in the film is from, as well as Tamil, which the um, character Malai played by Priya is from. But I think it's, it, it talks a bit about a lot of things that a lot of people can, from around the world can relate to, especially being immigrants and refugees in north america and in canada specifically because i myself as i've mentioned many times before i'm an immigrant and i related a lot to the sense of loneliness and displacement that you can feel within a country like this and canada and specifically toronto because the film is set in toronto is a very multicultural city and it has people from all around the world and it also has people of course from first nations communities but the thing with canada it being a settler colonialist state, the First Nations people are v- still very much disenfranchised within their own country, within their own home, within their own land. Like, the Canadian government still very much disenfranchises them. And if you've been following, if you follow what happens with fr- Canadian First Nations, for instance, talking about residential schools and the horrors that occurred in those schools, like, they're still suffering from the um, the... From what happened all those years ago, and in fact, the last residential school I believe only shut down in like 1983, and then even now, First Nations women are still disenfranchised um, in the medical community. Like they still face a lot of um, roadblocks and mistreatment in the medical community. The film doesn't talk about that, but I'm just like drawing a reference to how First Nations people in Canada are still treated today. And the film goes into how it goes into the struggles that they experience and I appreciate Priya and, and I appreciate VT and the writers Devery and Goshen for writing this film because I think it's very important for people in Canada in particular to get a perspective of Canadian history and the present and hopefully the future from watching this film. And as I said, this was an a, this this was a, this episode is part of my TIFF 2022 coverage because the film premiered at TIFF and I think it, and it, like, it received a lot of critical acclaim as it should because VT and the cast and crew did a, I think a fantastic job with this film and this being VT's first feature film round of applause to her! I can't wait to see what she does in the future and and you can listen to other episodes for Caroline Talks um, on 8Cast and other podcast streaming platforms under so here's what happened podcast you can find my the video edition of this um, interview on my YouTube channel under my name Carolyn Hines, H-I-N-D-S as well as other interviews that I did for TIFF including the interview that I did for the film's composer, Kaleishan Sheldon, which was a really fun and informative discussion about using music um, from different cultures especially those um, referenced in the film to really give a sense of universality to the film but also to show like how people from different cultures can relate to music and find a, a common ground in, in stories and how he built this, this this film song from using these instruments so that was great and um uh, let me see what else I want to say <laughs> and you can always as usual find my, in my interviews that I do with the African American Film Criticism Association on my YouTube channel as well for my segment on in my playlist Carolyn Talks and interviews that I do and coverage that I've done for my my Asian drama podcast Beyond the Romance on other on podcasts from platforms as well I'm a bit behind in that long story But I appreciate everyone who's been listening to my podcast and to these interviews that I've been doing with Tiff. Like, I've had some really good interviews with Tiff. I had a really good interview. Um, I had a really good experience at Tiff this year. There's some setbacks. I didn't get all the interviews that I wanted. I didn't get all the coverage that I wanted. But I still appreciate what I was able to do. And until the next episode of Carolyn Talks, everyone, stay safe. Oh wait, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at CarrieCNH12, that's at C R at E C N H You can find all of my, my Pinterest, which are usually my most recent published work. You can go to R3.com slash name, Karen and I used to look for all of my published work that includes interviews, reviews, film analysis, and basically just like articles that I've written as um for different for different websites. Um what else do I want to say? and um, I think that's it (laughs) so until the next episode of Karen Talks everyone stay safe